1: Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4. And if you are a guest and it's your first time here, thanks for coming. Why don't we give all the guests a good warm welcome. Amen. Ephesians 2, it says, But God is so rich in mercy, and He loved us so much. I love that. That even though we were dead because of our sins, He gave us life, When he raised Christ from the dead, it is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. I want to focus on verse 4 today. And it says, but God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much. I want to talk on this subject, rich in mercy and love. Rich in mercy and love. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for the word of God. We know that it is quick and powerful. I pray that it would be alive in our hearts that we could gladly receive your word today. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. amen. Why don't you turn to your neighbor before we get started and tell him, say, what's a good-looking thing like you doing in a place like this? Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. (laughs) Amen. Rich in mercy and love. We all know what a crazy 18 months we've had since winter of last year, right? COVID and uh, the way our world has responded to it, the way we've handled it, it has changed the world as we know it. People have gone into isolation, businesses and churches have closed down, schools are operating differently. It really has become a different world than the one that we welcomed on New Year's Day of 2020. Amen. But no matter what has changed in our world, COVID or no COVID, politics, the economy, there is still some great news and there's still a constant that I want to share. Are you ready? God is still rich in his mercy and his love. Amen. See, when it comes to God's love, there is no comparison to how we understand human love. Our limited understanding and experience of love, it really kind of clouds our understanding of the true depth of God's love. See, it's difficult for you and I to really imagine that God could love us unconditionally because we're really incapable of loving unconditionally. We try, but we're not capable of that without our having to do something to earn God's favor. But the Scripture tells us that He is rich in His mercy and His love to us. John 3.16, many of you might know this verse, but it says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. That, my friends, is mercy. That is love. And the good news is you don't have to earn it. And I read this verse last week, but I want to read it again. Paul is writing about God's grace and our role in receiving it in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Just in case you think you have to deserve it to get it. Look what Ephesians 2 and 8 says. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. Amen. You can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Verse 9 says, salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. See, his love, it's something that we can't take credit for. It's not something that we earn from doing enough good works. His salvation is not something we can take credit for. And it is not a reward for the good things that we have done. The good news is you can't earn his love, and you also can't be good enough or bad enough to drive him away. Amen. That's what makes his love so special. Why don't we talk about, let's talk about love here for just a moment. You see, love may not actually make the world go round, but it sure does make the trip a whole lot easier, doesn't it? Amen. By the way, and if I fall over today, don't worry, there's nothing wrong with me. I just ate too many donuts, amen. It'll be a sugar coma. (laughs) You don't have to pray for me other than, Lord, give that man more discipline, amen. See, the God-given emotion of love it is the most needed, but possibly the least understood feeling in mankind. Look at our understanding of love. For example, the love that we have for one another. It requires time, right? Our friendships to develop it. It becomes, it begins maybe as an interest and it grows as, a, as, as long as the person that is attracting our love continues to appeal to us in one way or the other. Human love. It does have its limits because it can diminish. It can cease over time given the wrong circumstances. Human love is it's subject to so many influences, to so many things around us. For example, though, look at the love that a parent has for their child. How different it is than the love that we would have for one of our friends. It's different than the love that you would even have maybe for a stranger that you would meet who is in distress. The degree of love that we profess for another person, uh, particularly somebody that's not in our family, it's usually determined by the behavior and the actions of the person that is earning our devotion. Now, you might be a better person than that, but usually in the long run, we tend to love those who are faithful to us, and we tend to kind of draw away from over the years people that are not faithful to us. We've even put love into different categories to try to help us understand it. For example, let me share three of them with you today. There's first the love of passion. It's called eros. The Greek word which illustrates such love, it comes, uh, and also that word is eros, but from that word comes the English words of erotic or erotica. Now, the word eros does not appear in the Scripture, but it does appear in Greek literature. Eros represents sensual, lustful desire. It was this type of love that the Scripture indicates that Solomon experienced. And literally the Bible says toward many strange women. 1 Kings chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. It was a love that was defined by passion or, or lust. And it was also his eventual downfall. Eros was Solomon's blind spot. See, Solomon was called the wisest man in the world. He was given great wisdom, and his kingdom was great. He prospered in his days. Solomon was blessed by God. He was admired by a world that was literally at his disposal. But even though Solomon was greatly blessed, and he was wise in so many ways, he was a casualty of his own unchecked desires. Now, by the way, when the Bible says that Solomon loved many strange women, Folks, that was not an exaggeration. Solomon had 700 wives and 300 mistresses, or concubines was the word that the Bible uses. The Scripture refers to these women as strange women because they worshiped false gods. Amen. Can you imagine 700 wives, 300 women, hi, you're my wife, what was your name again? (laughs) Three years later, hi, you're my wife. What was your name again? Amen. Solomon, as wise as he was, he had a blind spot. And what was sad, really sad about this story is not only did it affect him, but the idolatry that these women brought into Solomon's life, he eventually allowed back into the life of the nation of Israel. And it became a downfall to the entire nation. That passion that drove Solomon to his weakness led the nation down a pathway of destruction. So you might be thinking, well, eros or, or, or passionate that, that must be wrong. I mean, no, it's not. The love of passion is God-given. And it's appropriate when it's controlled and when it's kept in the boundaries of marriage. You see, it was God's intent from the very beginning of time for one man and one woman to dwell together for life. He created them, the Bible says, male and female. Now, I shouldn't have to say this, but in 2021, I need to, I need to just say it out loud from the pulpit again. God is still creating us male and female. Amen? <laughs> That's still His design. And He creates us this way to have a natural attraction for each other that will mature into a deep bond of love between one man and one woman. If God leads you into marriage, amen. But society today so often rejects God's plan of marriage and family and the family unit. And not only do they reject it, but now they mock those of us who want to proclaim God's plan as the best way to have success and happiness in life, amen. I kind of like God's plan. I have a hard enough time keeping one wife happy, much less 700, amen, amen. You guys, you think you're all that. Amen. Solomon had 700 wives. I don't know how. Did. Kevin told me in between services, he said, you know what's really sad about that story, Pastor? I said, what? He said he had 700 mother-in-laws too. Amen. <laughs> Maybe he wasn't as wise as we thought he was. Amen. All right. That's the mother-in-law joke. Amen. You can send me mean emails later. Amen. But there was the love of passion. And the love of the, the uh, that mankind, you know, in the world tries to corrupt, but God still has a plan for it. So first of all, there's passion, there's eros. Then secondly is the love of friendship, that's called filial love, amen. Matter of fact, the city of Philadelphia, they get their name as the city of brotherly love, amen. Now, if any of you have ever been to Philadelphia, somebody needs to teach them what their name actually means, Amen. So, yeah, they, they, they forgot that part. Amen. But the Greek word used in the New Testament to express this type of love means to be a friend or to have attraction for or a personal attachment as a matter of sentiment or a feeling. It's friendships. And folks, let me just tell you, we need friendships and relationships in 2021. You can't live without it. A lot of people try to protect their hearts by isolating themselves and by cutting people off. That is a dangerous place to be. C.S. Lewis may have said it best about love. Listen to this. This is a beautiful quote. He said, to love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly be broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it carefully round with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken, it will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. The only place outside heaven where you can be perfectly safe from all the dangers of love is hell. That's what C.S. Lewis said. That's what happens to our hearts when we lock them away, when we don't allow them to be hurt. We try to protect them from being broken, but instead they become unbreakable. Many people today are afraid to allow themselves to develop close friendships. They would have rather avoid getting hurt and just choose to weather life storms all alone than to risk rejection or, or pain by someone they love. And I'm not showing throwing shade on those people either. Some people have been really hurt. They've been damaged. They've had some scarring relationships that have caused them to go into this protective cocoon. Amen. But that's not God's plan. In the Bible, there's a story about a king by the name of Saul, and he was being He was pursuing after the guy that was supposed to be his successor, a guy by the name of David. As a matter of fact, it was a 14-year back and forth of David waiting for his opportunity to become the rightful king of Israel, and Saul trying to take out the guy who was supposed to be his successor. And Saul might have succeeded had it not been for David's friend, Jonathan, who was also the son of Saul. David and Jonathan had a friendship and a relationship that was the kind that can exist between people and go through life struggles together. And folks, I want to remind you, we all need friendships. We need people in our lives because often it is healthy people who will help strengthen hurting people. Proverbs 17 and 17 says, A friend is always loyal, and a brother is born to help In time of need, God provides us with friends, not just to celebrate the good times with us, but also more importantly for those times when our world seems to fall apart. We have a dear lady in our church, and uh, I won't mention her name right now, but yesterday she found out that she lost one of her children. One of her children died unexpectedly. And we spent some time with her yesterday, and she was surrounded by some friends and some family that were there. And in a moment like that, your words become very shallow. There's really not much you can say, but just your presence and the ability to show love to someone means so much in a moment like that. We need friends, not just to celebrate the raise, not just to celebrate the new house or the car, right? We need friends when life throws a load on us that we feel like we can't bear. If you're a Christian, you have brothers and sisters in the body of Christ who are there when adversity comes. I talked last week about why we all need a church and why we need the church in our lives. This is one of the greatest benefits of being the part of the body of Christ is when you have somebody that you can offer encouragement to, but then you can also receive encouragement from. Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10 says, Two people are better than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Amen. Thank God for friends. As a matter of fact, why don't you turn to your neighbor or your friend that's next to you and say, I'm so glad you're in my life. I'm so glad you're in my life. Amen. Somebody go outside and tell the donut man, man, I'm so glad you're in my life today, amen. <laughs> amen. I'm so glad you're in my life today. Everybody say filial love, love of friendship. And I want to talk to you, the last one is about the love of God, agape love. See, the love of passion and the love of friendship are types of love that we understand in our everyday world, amen. These types of love have been the topic of poets and authors and musicians. Who knows how many hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of songs have been written about the subject of love. But see, there's another love, however, that goes beyond the full comprehension of mankind. It is the supreme expression of love. It is the love of God, and it is rich in mercy. And Here's where we've got to be careful, though. If we perceive the love of God to operate like the love of man, you know what we do? We'll begin to believe that God is distant or fickle or unpredictable. We begin to believe that God can be moody or God can be offended. Or we can believe that there's something we could do that can make God so mad at us that he'll stop loving us, that he will block our text, amen, that he will unfriend us, that he will remove us from his contact list. But see, God's not that way. You will base God's willingness to love you on your deeds or your misdeeds if you look at it through our human lens. You will begin to think that God only loves you on your good days, but not so much on your bad days. Amen. Anybody else ever have a bad day? Amen. You ever have one of those days where you go to bed at night and you say, God, I'm really sorry. I really didn't represent you very well today. Please forgive me. Amen. Of course, we all have those kind of days, but if you feel that way, if you view God's love only through our human eyes, on a day when everything's going well, you're going to feel loved by God, but when things go wrong, you're going to feel like God no longer cares for you, and that's when you need Him the most. Amen. See, God's love is not earned. There's degrees or limits that we put on love with people in our circle of influence, but there's no degrees or limits controlling his love for us. His love comes in abundance because he is rich in his mercy. See, God's love is best described by that Greek word agape, which means to have esteem or high reward. It is the supreme, spontaneous, unselfish love that comes from God alone. Because if God's love consisted only of passion, or infatuation, you know what? His interest in us would have faded a long time ago, right? Because we've all let him down. His interest would have left when Adam and Eve, his firstborn, chose to reject his will and embrace something else. If God's love was only one of friendship, he would have been offended by you and I at some point, right? (laughs) I mean, I'm going to tell you right now, we would have done something, said something, acted out a certain way, thought certain thoughts, and we would have offended God, and he would have said, see you later, alligator, amen. But see, God's not that way. God's love sees beyond our faults. He sees not only what we have done, but he also sees the potential to become what he has designed us to be. And with hope for all, regardless of our deeds, the Bible says that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was crucified on Calvary so that you and I could live. He paid the required price of our sins, and he accepted upon himself the agony and the suffering for all. Amen. It was the death, the burial, and the resurrection. That is the gospel. And that is the good news today, that his love is for us. See, he gave himself as a ransom for all of us. For the adulterer, for the murderer, for the morally just, for the king of great countries, for people on the streets, amen. It doesn't matter who you are, amen. He is rich in his mercy, is rich in his love. He reaches to all social classes, to all races, to all beliefs, amen. His love is not hindered, even when he is openly rejected, amen. His unselfish love continues to campaign day after day after day for our devotion. What a love! What a love. If you don't get a raise this year, if you don't get your prayer request answered the way that you'd like, if you don't find a man or a woman of your dreams, if you could just stop right now and think how blessed we are to be walking in the rich mercy and love of God. Matter of fact, why don't you just give him a praise for it right now. Hallelujah. I'm thankful for your love. I'm thankful for your love. There's no amount of money that equals that love, right? Any hesitation would gladly give up their lives for their children or even their grandchildren. And that's probably as close as we can come to what God's love is like for each of us because we are his children. Amen. The word of God compares the love of a parent to the love of God. But look at this. It even takes it another step further. Isaiah 19 and 15, it's comparing God's love to the love of a parent. He said, can a mother forget her nursing child? Can she feel no love for the child she has born? And look what it says. But even if that were possible, I would not forget you. (laughs) Even if a mother or a father rejected you, or rejected their child, God said, I would never forget you. I would never stop loving you. Amen? And I'm going to tell you, it's really sad, but probably even in this room, there are many that did not grow up and, and have glowing stories of their relationships with their mother or their father. Some of you may not have been blessed enough to be raised in a home where you had two parents or you had a family that stayed together. We've got more families that are not like that than are like that, unfortunately, in our generation. But the good news is that God still loves us. His love is unconditional and it's always there for us. Despite God's efforts, to express his love to man, people still continue to follow their own desires apart from the will of God. But his love for us is so great. The Bible says he robed himself in flesh as the Son of God, Jesus. He walked with mankind. And his love for people was so great that he chose to live on earth like a man to suffer temptation, to suffer loss and rejection and pain, just like we do. The Scripture says He humbled Himself and came to our level so that we could come to know Him and experience His salvation. God's love is an everlasting love. Amen? He, He will love us despite our failures. He rejoices with us in our victories. He is a friend that loves us at all times. You know, when Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, the purity and the innocence that they had between them and God was lost in that moment. And before man could return to that sweet time of innocence and that pure relationship, people needed to experience forgiveness of their sins. And the reconciliation of man to God required a sacrifice of blood for the penalty of sin, is death. A man could not shed his own blood for his sin, The only hope for mankind was God himself. And he offered a sacrifice of atonement for our sins. Look at Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. Here's what it says. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. Amen. Don't miss what that verse says. It didn't say we were made right in God's sight by our good deeds. It didn't say we were made right in in God's sight by our actions. It didn't say we were made right in our sight by making sure we never missed a Sunday of church or we always paid our tithes or we helped people with good deeds. It said we were made right in the sight of God by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. God himself became our substitution. Man could not fulfill those requirements alone. So God stepped in, and he allowed his blood to be shed through Jesus Christ in our stead. That substitution opened the door not only for the remission of sins, but also for us to be clothed with the righteousness of Christ. It opened the way for us to boldly approach God. God bridged the gap that once existed between him and us, In the greatest example of love that man has ever seen, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was the vessel which God used to express his love to mankind. You know why I think so many people don't really know about it is sometimes we only talk about this on Easter Sunday (laughs) or at Christmas, amen. We need to remember, Jesus actually died for our sins and thank God for his blood, amen. Thank God for his blood. You see, Jesus was still in control of the universe while at the same time he was touching people's lives as he met them on the streets of Jerusalem. That is the kind of love that we enjoy today. I'd like the praise team and the musicians to come. You see, God's desire for every man, woman, and child is for us to be free from our sin through the blood that he shed for us and that we might be filled with His Spirit so that we can enjoy an intimate relationship with Him. Hear me folks, God is not distant and uninvolved. He is a loving, giving Father. We don't earn the privilege of enjoying this relationship with God. He freely offers it to us because of His amazing love for us. See, people are finding and experiencing His rich, mercy and love. God's desire is to dwell with anyone who will open up their heart and their life to him. I don't know how many of you are believers or how many of you are Christians in this room today, but I want to ask you, are you ready for that kind of love? And if you are a believer, are you ready to to maybe reawaken and remind yourself that God's love never fails, amen, and that he never steps out on us, even when we mess up or when we feel in our darkest moment. See, God does not pick and choose the people most likely to succeed. He instead reaches out to everyone at every level. Let me read this verse to you again, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. Do you see that? The world. Come on, that means everybody in the world. Come on. That means God loves the whites and the blacks and the browns, amen? Come on, God loves Republicans, Democrats, independents, it doesn't matter. God loves the United States, he loves Africa, he loves Europe, amen. God loves gay people, God loves straight people. Come on, God loves rich people, God loves poor people. God loves all of us. And if we could just embrace that, God loves us. He died for the world. He didn't say the perfect world. He died for us. The scripture I read always said, he died for us while we were still sinners. See so many times we think we got to reach a certain level before God accepts us. No, 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 no. He accepts you right at your lowest level. All you got to do is step forward and say, God, I accept you. I accept you. I accept you. I want you to stand with me all over this house. See, I think for so long we've, we've told ourselves that if we don't behave a certain way or act a certain way, and by the way, listen, I'm all about you got to produce fruit in your life if you're a believer, amen? I'm not just giving an easy pass on sin. God calls us to a level of righteousness. When you become a mature believer, amen, you're supposed to grow in your faith. growing. Come on, somebody, amen. That's right. But we've also got to understand that when we mess up, God doesn't, God doesn't divorce us. That's right. That's right. God doesn't walk out the door. God doesn't give you the peace I'm out and I'm done with you lecture. Amen. It doesn't happen. God still loves us. And some of us are believers. We're so beaten up by our own guilt that we won't allow God to love us. Now, I'm not a mental health professional, but there we all know a lot of people that life has been so hard on them that they've, they've built this wall and they won't allow people to love them. They won't allow people in. And you know what? A lot of Christians say, I love Jesus, but you're loving him with a wall. Right. And you're like, God, I, I know you love me, but I don't really. No, no, no. It's time today for us just to say, Lord, you are rich in mercy and love. Your grace and mercy are new every morning. So what do you do when you mess up? Same thing you do when you mess up with people you love. I'm sorry, forgive me. I'm gonna try to do better next time. And just keep on loving, keep on loving. I love it when my grandson comes to me and he's done something, I'm sorry, Paw You know what, man, I just love him. I think I just love him even more in those moments. Come here, I just give him that hug. Sorry, Papa. Papa, where's the popsicles? Amen. <laughs> See, we've got a loving Father. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I just feel, I want to pray for some people today. First of all, if you're not a believer, I want to encourage you to search your heart. And say, God, I need to know that kind of love. Some of you have been hurt by parents, hurt by people in your life a spouse or a loved one that has done you wrong and you're scarred God I need to know what real love is I need to know what unconditional love is I need to let down my guard and let you in but then even for some of you believers maybe you just feel wounded or you feel rejected or you feel like God's not there hear me He is there He will never leave you or forsake you, because He is rich in mercy and love. You can't do enough to offend Him and cause Him to write you off His list. God still loves you. He still loves you. So, as the praise team begins to sing, we have a, in our church we open up this area. We call it the altar. We get we like to give people an opportunity to step out of their seats and respond. Just respond to the message or respond to where you're feeling. So I want to invite everyone. that feel, Don't worry. We're not We're not going to lay hands on you. We're not going to make you feel uncomfortable. But if you'd like to just make a brand new commitment to God and step out from where you are and say, Lord, I want to accept your love anew and afresh in my life. I want to reconnect, God. I want to thank you because you've always been faithful to me. I want to invite you to step out from where you are. Would you come? Would you come? We're going to lift our hands here in just a moment. We're going to pray together. Would you come? Come on. Come on, church family. Even believers, come on, step out from where you are and say, God, I want to embrace your love. I want to embrace your love. Praise team. Go ahead. Let's begin to worship together.
0: Come on, that's it. Yes, God.
1: I want to accept your love. I want to receive your love. I want to receive your love. Come on, that's it. Maybe you didn't repent of your sins. I invite you to come with Jesus, your maybe you've never been baptized, we invite you to be baptized today in water for the remission of your sins.
0: Yeah. we
1: for loving me when I fail thank you for loving me on good days and bad thank you for loving me despite my flaws despite my fears thank you for loving me God we know that you love us and we thank you in Jesus name in Jesus name amen don't you just feel the love of Jesus in this room right now he's so good he's so good he's so good Amen. If you're a guest of Life Church and today was your first time, we just want to say thanks for coming. I also want to say, if you don't have a church home, we'd love for you to come back and be with us again. Amen. We'd love to have you back. Be sure to stop by the donut truck on the way out. It's great to have you. Have a great, great week. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. Amen.